This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Entrepreneurial Ecosystem Co-Creation and Appropriability is the title of research by Dr. Christos Pitalis examining the conceptual framework around the creation of clusters and supporting ecosystems. It looks at existing literature which Dr. Pitalis says underplays the role of deliberate human action, especially that of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial management, in building a strategy to create and co-create organisations, markets and support networks. Among his conclusions, clusters can involve advantages and entrepreneurial managers faced with choice will help to co-create them and stay with them as long as they appropriate more value than through alternatives. The recurring themes are value appropriation and value co-creation. Dr. Patelis explains. Well, what I mean basically is that firms do not do what they do and they are not meant to do what they do because they are philanthropical organizations. They are not. They are supposed to do something because it makes them some money. Now, in this context, uh, that raises the question, why should they choose to operate in a cluster where often you have a number of competitors together and uh, often it may be difficult to actually make some profit out of this if some of your secrets, your ideas, your knowledge spreads to others. And it is important, therefore, to bring in the issue of value appropriation, that is, how do you make money? How do you leverage your business model to make money uh, when you are operating in a context where some of your ideas may be expropriated by others and therefore as a result of this you may be worse off than better off and the argument I'm trying to make and establish in that paper is that the advantages of the cluster in creating joint value, co-creating value in terms of sharing this information and sharing ideas and sharing and uh, the agglomeration in the region of knowledgeable human resources and uh, related benefits of embeddedness and collocation are creating sufficiently more value so that it still makes it profitable for firms that are based within the cluster to uh, given their appropriation, their value appropriation model, to still be better off than they might have been if they were outside the cluster and they could appropriate a higher proportion but of the now less value. But the existing theory on clusters doesn't take that into account, does it? It prefers to focus on value creation alone. It's not so much a matter of preference, a matter of what, uh, how things have developed so far. I mean, the emphasis both in economics and in business strategy has tended to be on creating value through efficiency. So many theories of clusters emphasizes the savings in transaction cost, uh, the, the knowledge which is being engendered in a cluster. All of these things are valid, and they, by, however, they all emphasize how value is being created, and they don't often ask the question, why should a firm not be interested also in how to make money and uh, what might be a disadvantage in operating in clusters in terms of making money? And if there are some disadvantages, which I mentioned before, what would be the advantages which offset these disadvantages sufficiently so that 
firms have incentives to operate in clusters. You draw attention to the, the Hinshu cluster in Taiwan. Now, what is so special about that, and, and is that what you're saying is the way forward? It's not just the only one. It's just a, a fundamental issue these days is what can, whether and what can government do to facilitate clustering, whether it should do it to start with. I mean, in economics, we have a number of ideas about this, and one idea is that firms should only, government should only step in if there is market failure. Some other people take a very hands-on approach and it's a lot too much intervention. Uh, we are, I'm taking the line in this paper is that the, the rule for government intervention would, be, would need to be the collaboration with the private sector and uh, the, the, the so-called third sector based on the comparative advantages and disadvantages of this major uh, player in order to actually co-create the market and the ecosystem that surrounds this market which allows value to be co-created and therefore for the players within to appropriate a proportion of that value and be uh, profitable. Uh, the reason for mentioning some examples in the paper, like uh, in Taiwan, uh, and but it's not the only example, there are many examples like that, is basically that the government has played a role a, uh, in helping co-create it. It has not been stepping uh, in uh, the sidelines, but at the same time, it did not try to do it top-down, as you might expect in a, let's say, more centrally planned economy. So it's basically the type and the degree of collaboration with an eye to co-creating a supporting a market and a supporting ecosystem that makes this a good example. And this, let's, uh, let me emphasize that this is an example which, without necessarily drawing on such experiences, perhaps organically, it's, uh, it's being followed in, uh, in in this country as well. I mean, as it happens, the Tech City cluster in uh, East London, and uh, this is a cluster in which, uh, once it has started being developed organically, the, the government did step in, and it, it looks like they have made a number of uh, important contributions uh, with funding, uh, improving the regulatory framework, making things easier, and all of these things are good ste are steps in the right direction. What I've been saying in a recent article of mine in Parliamentary Brief is that if that policy is combined with related policies like, for example, with economic zones, which have also been recently announced, and clusters in economic zones are selected in a way that it does exploit local knowledge, leverage local knowledge, and it's more it's bottom up. But at the same time, it's at the margin. It it's collocated with clusters, or it's located near clusters. Then that could strengthen both the cluster, the ecosystem, and the advantages of the economic zone. So all of these supply side policies or industrial policies that the government is actually employing now could be more effective and it, they could help both the cluster and the economy as a whole. So there are real benefits to be drawn from that document by, by national, international companies and governments. I'm glad you mentioned this because when it comes to uh, companies too, it's uh, also a useful example to mention that Google has chosen to operate in the uh, tech city cluster and uh, so if a cluster has advantages in terms of uh, 
this value co-creation in terms of drawing in uh, entrepreneurs and uh, appropriate uh, human resources and all of these benefits, then big companies also have an incentive to collocate there. Uh, it is important, this is another important consideration for government, to ensure that the advantages of uh, big companies are being leveraged, but at the same time these big companies are not taking over in one sense. Therefore, a degree of healthy competition is there in place. And this is always an important role of the government to have a competition policy, a regulatory framework that allows healthy competition, a, a more level playing field. One final point. Isn't there a danger, though, that, that there could be a policy of too many eggs in the one basket, that the clusters could be very close, and that could be a natural disaster like an earthquake or a tsunami, which would just obliterate that cluster? That is a very good point, actually. There is very little discussion on that particular sort of black swan type uh, thing that you mentioned. There are some observations to the effect that in clusters, like here in Cambridge, after a certain while, a number of negative things uh, uh, are uh, happening, like, for example, uh, property prices are going up, there is uh, congestion effects, it's difficult to actually, traffic is becoming horrid. So there are issues like this, but what you are mentioning is a very good point worth exploring, that is that in some cases too much concentration of a valuable economic activity may be subject to, to a very particular uh, risk. One has to consider all of these things. I would guess the implication of what you are saying is not to put all your eggs in one basket, but to aim to actually have clusters and ecosystems where there is some organic development and where there are the right conditions through government and entrepreneurial markets and uh, third sector cooperation in uh, ways that uh, this risk is being mitigated as much as possible and also, hopefully, addressing regional disparities. Dr Christos Patelis, thank you. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.